Welcome to Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Neary. I want to talk to you about this topic, how to get back on track when you've been derailed, homeschool edition, because let's face it, homeschooling is a job and it comes with big challenges, irritations, and amazing rewards. But like any job, it does take work. And while many of us start out with a plan, We can often get derailed by illness, work, and disasters. It's a real thing. We've had our share of all of the above. So I want to share with you some real simple solutions and helpful tips for you to get back on track when you've been derailed by small or large things. So ready to go? Let's do it. Okay, so I don't know what your life is like, but we have had some major distractions over the years as we from school. Um, One of the biggest ones was when we were in the military, we made three cross-country moves. Big distraction. Um, We also had a seriously ill infant um, for a year. Our third son was very sick and in and out of the hospital and ER. We spent our 10th anniversary (laughs) in the ER, uh, moving him from hospital to hospital. Um, our, Our kids were all in a car and had a serious car accident. One of our daughters had a severe frontal lobe head injury. Um, and so that was, that was like a huge thing. She ended up in the, in the hospital having neurosurgery and, um, thank God we didn't bury anybody that day. We also had a house fire in 2009 and four days later, my oldest sister who was 47 at the time died unexpectedly. And then, um, a year later, my dad died. Um, so like everybody, we've had our share of, of things that have been really difficult to deal with. I think that is just the nature of life, right? So I want to talk about our house fire, because I think um, for those of you who are going through some really severe things like weather, we're in the midst of Irma right now, or um, other natural disasters, it it can be really hard to keep homeschooling. And I want to just give you some tips and helps to help you think about how to continue homeschooling when there's like a huge derailment, right? So in 2009, we did have a house fire and our house did not burn down to the ground, but it was gutted and we lost about 90% of everything that we own. Now it didn't all burn, but it had water and smoke damage. So we had to actually inventory everything for the insurance claim. And that took all that took about a year to get through um, everything with the insurance and to, to get everything out of our house and to rebuild our house. And it wasn't done at that point. But um, during the house fire, we had a house fire on a Thursday. And then on Monday, my sister died unexpectedly. And um, that was really pretty rough. So we were out of our house at that point. We were living in a retreat center um, that my husband was doing counseling out of. So they graciously allowed us to stay there for several days. And then we had no clothes um, to take with us. We had to go shopping really quickly. Um, We'd gone shopping initially and gotten sweatpants for everybody and t-shirts and things like that. Then we needed to have clothes to go to the funeral. So we went shopping really quickly, boarded up the house because it was wide open. There was a, there was a huge um, problem in the kitchen where the floor had burned out. So it was this, the house was a disaster. We had to board up windows because they'd all been axed out um, for the firefighters. 
and it was getting colder where we lived. So we had a lot of stuff to prep for as we left to go to the funeral many states away. And then we were gone for a week for the funeral, seeing family and all that kind of stuff. And then we came back um, and we were able to get into um, into a hotel rental, a long-term hotel rental with insurance funds and things like that. So that was helpful. Um, and then we made the decision whether we were going to bulldoze our house or rebuild it. Um, so we spent the year rebuilding our house. We did decide to rebuild it from the studs up. It's now a hundred year old house. We rebuilt it in the model that in kind of the manner that it had been created in. So it still has that craftsman feel to it. It's a very beautiful house, but we moved in 10 months after the fire to the worst flooding in our area in literally decades. So our house generally doesn't flood, but that year it flooded. We had four inches of freezing cold water in the basement. And our plan was to move everybody into the basement. And then we would finish, continue working on finishing the house, the second and third and actually fourth stories on our own, but we couldn't move into the basement. So we moved into the first floor. So we had bunk beds and our, and our bed on the first floor. <laughs> um, the only working shower was in the basement. So we had to go through freezing cold water through a couple rooms in the dark to get to the, the basement showers. That was kind of interesting. Um, a matter of weeks after we moved back into our house, my dad died. And honestly, it was just a really rough time. We parted with people. We parted with possessions. It was tough getting rid of all of our stuff. Um, we gave away, uh, we actually threw away uh, literally hundreds of books, all of our family photo albums. Um, clothes, mementos. My mom already passed away. So a lot of things from her were, were lost in that. And it was, it was tough to part with our stuff. Um, and then we were saying goodbye to people as well. So in the midst of all this, I had a couple of revelations um, because we were actually, we did have a contractor who was helping us do the big things in the house. And then we were working alongside with, uh, alongside of them to get the house finished. And in the midst of all of this, I had a couple of revelations. Um, you know, they, they might seem pretty simple to you, but they were really a big deal to me. Um, number one, proper setup can make all the difference. Just really intentionally taking time to set things up um, before you do them. That often, if you do really good setup, the project doesn't take that long. Um, and it and it can be for a big project too. But if you have really good setup, wow, it can make the project itself go really, really fast and really smooth. And the same is true for homeschooling, by the way. Secondly, proper cleanup sets you up really well for the next setup. So cleaning brushes, putting things away, um, making sure that there's nothing left out, um, that everything is contained in a proper way. Very transferable skill set to homeschooling, right? The next thing that really was huge for me is that less can often be more. And I'm not really a Kamari kind of person, but um, we lived in a four story packed home. Okay. It's an old craftsman style house. We had a full basement, a first floor, the second floor with all the bedrooms, and then a walk up attic. And it was literally packed. We'd homeschooled for almost 20 years at that point, five kids. We had a zillion books, so many crafts and hobbies and dress ups and toys etc. And when we moved back into our house, we had very little, we had clothes, we had, um, we had our beds, we had a couple dressers, we had very little furniture at that point, because um, we got rid of most of it, honestly, and we had very little things, actually, you know, and so we're in this huge house with not a lot of stuff. And, 
you know, it was really easy to keep clean. Um, my kids turned one of the smaller bedrooms upstairs into a Lego room and they just put um, blankets on the floor and they had a Lego room and it had nothing in it, but that blanket and the Legos for, you know, months and months. And so we were able to spread out and do some things. Of course, our big craft at that point was the house. <laughs> so we were learning how to refinish floors and how to paint and do ceilings and texturing and grouting and tiling and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of um, really hands-on, I say craft, but it was really um, a lot of handyman type of things. And so that was really, that was very consuming. That was a lot of what we did for school that year, actually. But the transferable thing that I want to share with you is that less is often more. And as we go into homeschooling, I, I just want you to think about it as it, a job. Homeschooling is a job and it takes work and intentionality. And if you can clear the clutter out of your house, literally clear the clutter out, you have more space, you have more margin, you have more negative space and clutter can be really stressful. So um, you, if you, if you really need the knickknacks, limit them, just trade them out by the seasons. I mean, just not having knickknacks all over the place, not having a lot of things that you have to dust. Um, your kids don't need that many clothes. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And so we always purchased open-ended toys anyway. And so we, we just focused on a few different toy sets like Legos, Brio train, Playmobil um, for our kids when they were in elementary and younger, so that we just focused on those type of toys. And that made it very easy to pin them up and put them away. But I would just say that the less stuff you have in your house, it makes it easier to actually get other things done and frees up brain space. So I just want to say that as something, you know, as you're homeschooling, and especially if you're derailed or you feel too scattered or whatever, you want to get rid of all that clutter and stuff. Okay. So all of those things. Now let's talk about my first main point. And I've, I've gone into that a little bit and that is get rid of the distractions. You don't need all the things declutter, be a little ruthless. Here's my takeaway with curriculum at this point, especially post fire, because before the fire, I saved all the curriculum. We had five kids, 16 years apart in age. And so we had kids um, in infancy, preschool, elementary, junior high, high school, and pre-college at all times. Once our fifth child was born, you know, for years we had that. So we were always using curriculum through all ages. And so I saved curriculum. But at the fire, we lost thousands of dollars of curriculum, literally thousands of dollars worth of curriculum. And so after the fire, I no longer saved very much curriculum. This is what I did with it. If I knew I was going to use it in the next 24 months, I would keep it. Um, except for a few things like, like phonics. I kept our alpha phonics program for all of our kids because it was effective and it did the job. And you guys, if you're looking for a great phonics program, you need to really check out alpha phonics. Um, but otherwise, I got rid of it, even if it was something that I really liked, because here's the deal. Curriculum suppliers update. They do new additions. And so unless you just know that you don't have the money or the resources to repurchase it or re-get re it, I, I wouldn't keep it. I would get rid of it. And here's what I would do with it. Gift it. Give it to somebody who will need it um, and who can use it. And there's always people in your regional homeschool groups that can use things. Sell it. And we actually, I did reviews for years and reselling curriculum was actually a source of income for us for a while. Um, I mean, we weren't making tens of thousands of dollars, but we were making a tidy sum every single year from selling curriculum. So I would sell it. <laughs> You're going to laugh at the third one. <laughs> I'll post it. 
um, why not? You know, if you've got your kids, if they're done with the workbook and you're not going to use it again and it's consumable or whatever, just shred it and compost it and feed your plants. Okay. Um, now, I'm not saying get rid of everything. Not everything is a distraction. You do need some things to homeschool. But one of the things you want to really think about as you're homeschooling is what age, stage, and season are you in? Um, you know, especially if you're trying to get back on track and you've been derailed, you want to really think clearly, you want to assess your own life to bless your family, right? So preschoolers, they need things to keep them busy. Um, their attention span is short. They're very tactile. They can get into big trouble if they're not watched and have things to keep them occupied. So I would keep, I would have some things to keep them busy, um, things they can't choke on, things that they can't get hurt on. Um, we had a step two playscape in our in our house for a long time. Um, and there's other toys and things that you can do to keep your preschooler busy. And I would say, try to keep them away from electronics, especially if you're really feeling distracted and you've gone through a big time of derailment because of a move or a natural disaster or a birth or a sick child or something like that, because electronics tend to uh, cause this distractibility within us. So we want to keep those to a minimum. Um, you do need phonics and number literacy program for your elementary kids. You need paper, pencils, pens to write with, folders and notebooks to organize those things. We used a lot of whiteboards and whiteboard markers in our house. We had a big one on the wall and we had lap boards for everybody. And then you need reference materials like dictionaries, thesauruses, maps and globes. But beyond that, you probably don't need a lot. Now, if you've been derailed and you're trying to really get back on track, I would suggest really thinking in a minimalist way. Don't try to think of everything you need to do at once. Just stick with a few little things so that you can get it done. Okay, now you want to have a place for everything and everything in its place. You guys have heard that adage probably your whole life. But knowing where to find your homeschooling gear makes all the difference between staying on track and going a little crazy, not being able to find it. What we did um, in our house is we built a library cart from Anna White's site to store our curriculum in, and we've used that for years, and it's really cool. We put wheels on it. It's literally, it's got that little tipped shelf. That's where we stored our curriculum. Um, that's not where we stored our readers. That's not where the kids stored their school gear, but that's where we stored our curriculum, and we could roll it around because uh, we put wheels on it. And then we have bookshelves for readers and we use a buffet in our dining room for school supplies. So everybody knew that in the buffet, the first drawer had pens, pencils, tape, all that type of stuff. And then the side drawers had craft supplies and things like that. So I would say get a place where you're going to near where you're going to homeschool and stock it with those kind of things and have it be a centralized location. Now we have a big house. Um, it's got multiple levels, but we always found ourselves on the first floor. And after the fire, we created an open concept on the first floor. So our living room, dining room and kitchen all flows into each other. And it's, you can walk around the whole house um, on the first floor. And it's really convenient, but we kept our supplies in the dining room because that's where we started our day with a morning meeting. And we've done that for years, um, years and years and years. And so everybody knows that's where the school supplies are kept. And then each kiddo has a pencil case in a backpack. Um, and they, um, some of our kids have pencils that they would like literally go blow through at the speed of sound. Other kids have pencils that they've had for years, but they have their pencil case with their pens, pens, markers, sharpener, all that kind of stuff. And then an own personal backpack for co-ops and class days and stuff, their, their own homeschool books and gear that they can 
you know, lug around the house with them. If they want to go sit on the front porch and do science or whatever. Okay. So you want to um, get rid of the distractions. You want to have a place for everything and everything in its place. And then you really want to set the stage. Now I want you to think about if you guys have ever had any kind of job, any kind of job at all, when you go to work, you know where to find things, you know, where things are placed, you know, where things are stored you know the smell of the cheap coffee in the air. You know the too heavy cologne of the guy in the next cubicle. You know what the floor will feel like when you take your feet out of your shoes and touch the rug, right? You know what the sandwich you brought from lunch for lunch is going to taste like, and you know the sounds of the copy machine roaring in the background. So I want you to think about that as you're setting the stage for homeschooling. Because a lot of times as homeschoolers, we just think it's, we just, need to wake up in the morning and get at it. And we don't think about setting the stage and giving our kids prompts and cues for habits. And so I want you to think about that. When you start your school day, what does it sound like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? Even what does it taste like? And that sounds kind of funny, but let's talk about that. If you create cues based on the above, you could maybe ring a pleasant bell to start school. You could light a candle so that when the kids come and gather together, they've got this little flickering candle flame warm. If you have a scent to it, you could sit on the floor together after you run around your house five times together, or you could drink lemon water or chamomile tea together. So you want to engage your kids, um, you know, their sensory aspects and their neural neural pathways as you start school. Those are cues for your kids to know school is starting. And hey, by the way, mom, it's a cue for you too. And I know a lot of us are working, more of us are working while we homeschool than ever before. But if we can create cues for ourselves and for our kids, we can rope off time and place to intentionally homeschool and get things done. And this will keep us from derailing because if we can do those little cues um, for years in our home, we would start our our morning basket at 9 a.m. And the kids knew that they had to have breakfast done and their chores done before nine. I didn't care what time they got up, but at 9 a.m., I sat down with the basket and all of our stuff for the morning basket, and they needed to be there with those things done. That was our cue. And we set a timer, nine to 10, and then that's what we did was our morning basket together. And that was our cue for the day to start. And it was a great habit. It helped us really get on track and stay on track. And so I'm just saying to you, create some cues so that your kids know what to expect and you know what to expect and other things go away. And then along with that, setting the stage, you want to create an environment to make it easy to focus. Now, if you're derailed, something's come along so that focus is really difficult. Um, And I want to propose a couple of different ideas for you. You want to create an environment that makes it easy to focus. So I would personally encourage you to create some workstations if you can at all with good lighting, a quiet study atmosphere, and tools to homeschool with paper, pencils, et cetera. Various station ideas could be a listening station, a reading and writing nook, an art center, desk for worksheet, math manipulatives, a timeline hub, a science lab, foreign language and cultural studies corner, Whatever is, uh, whatever is important to you and that you're really focusing on for the year, create little places in your home so that your kids know when they go to that little place, when they go to the foreign language and cultural studies center, 
They, they do their, um, their Latin flashcards. They listen to the self-paced Spanish program from True North. Uh, Reese's Day Sun Reese's, by the way, is a fantastic program. So that it cues them and they get into those habits. And then I want to really encourage you to set rhythms and routines for your day, even if you've been derailed, especially if you've been derailed. So have a wake-up routine, have morning chores and breakfast, have a morning gathering. In the morning, we always did skills. And we did skill study, like grammar, Latin, math, skill-based learning that builds on each other. Then we'd have lunch, spend some time outside. Then in the afternoon, we do content study and read-alouds, the light-directed learning, life skills. Often we'd make dinner together, have an evening routine, and then a bedtime routine. So here's the thing. A lot of people right now are really trying to figure out how to get their kids to be independent of them and how to work without them around. But you need to realize that your kiddo probably does need you around and maybe they don't need you around to tell them what to do, although they might, um, but they probably need you around for things like courage and empathy and just to know that you're there with them. Um, our kids enjoy being with us. They want to be close. And that's one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is we get to have that time together where we're in the same space together. And then they possibly need your direction, guidance and help as they're studying. So if you've been derailed, um, I'd like to just really encourage you to set a rhythm and routine for the day. Now, when the month after we got back from my sister's funeral after our house fire, we lived in a hotel. <laughs> so, you know, the rhythm and routine, what was that? Well, they did provide breakfast. So we go down to breakfast together in the morning and eat breakfast together. And um, they had a swimming pool there. So we did a lot of swimming that month because we needed a lot of emotional comfort. Let's be honest, when things are derailed, Sometimes you need to make, just take time and make space for your family to get the emotional comfort that they need. So often my younger kids especially would go get their swimsuits on and then we'd go and spend 45 minutes, an hour even in the pool. Now at that point, my little kids, we had a lot to do with our house fire. We had to sort through, we had to get our house empty before cold set in. We had to inventory everything we owned. Um, we had to buy some necessities. Um, you know, like clothes and underwear and get phones set up and all that kind of stuff. We had to, we just had so much to do, um, and, you know, and that's, that's what happens when you have a disastrous kind of thing like that. There's a lot of extra stuff to do, but I realized my younger kids at that point were six and nine. And then um, my third um, was, let's see, 13. And so um, my younger two especially needed more routine than our, than you know, our schedule probably allowed, but this is what we did. They would um, eat breakfast. We'd go to the hotel lobby and we would do some really gentle school together. We had writing with ease at that point and we sat down and we just did a couple lessons of writing with ease together. We would do some simple math together. We would probably read a little story together and then we'd go to the pool and they would swim for a half hour to 45 minutes. Um, and then we'd go up to the room and we might do some, some reading, um, or we would come out to the house or whatever, then we'd eat lunch and we'd go swimming again. Seriously, sometimes we would swim two to four times a day because that was really fun for the kids. They really needed it. They had a lot of energy to get out. And then you know, that month I counted it up. We watched like 23 movies. So we watched a lot of movies um, because it was just, everybody just needed that brain space to just sit and veg and not have to think about anything too intense and just be somewhat entertained. You know, um, we listened to a lot of books on tape and we were driving back and forth from town to our house, which is like a 40 minute drive. 
um, to check on the house and clean things up, et cetera, et cetera. So we just made do with what we had in our hand. What we had in our hand was a pool available to us. Uh, we had breakfast provided every single morning and then three evenings at that hotel, they provided dinner. So those things were already done and we counted on those and took advantage of those. We watched a lot of movies. We had friends loaning us movies. We read a lot of books and listened to books on tape. We didn't do a lot of schoolwork. I'll be honest, because we just didn't have the brain space for it. We didn't have the materials for one. They were lost in the fire, although people started giving us giving us stuff. And so that was that was pretty helpful. But for a while, we just didn't have anything and nobody had the brain space to do it. So we just put it aside because we had a lot of other things to do. And my older kids, my 13 to 17 year old at the point, they helped inventory the house and clean it out. And because of where we lived, we had to get this was in October and we had to get the whole house empty before it got really cold. So we didn't have mold issues because of the amount of water that had gone through our house. So even though we weren't saving the items in the house, we had to get them out of the house. We had to inventory everything. If we wanted to be reimbursed from the insurance company, we had to throw it away and we had to sell the house. So there was a lot to do. And it was dirty, disgusting, smelly, horrible work. So whenever we had an opportunity, we took it and the meals provided were a break. Um, we ate out a lot because we needed that help and um, we went swimming an awful lot. And that was okay. That was just totally fine. Um, I would say too, if you've been derailed, again, you want to keep distractions to a minimum. So if you're homeschooling um, and you feel like you need to get back on track, don't answer your phone while you've got school time going on. Don't have electronics going during school time unless it's related to a class or subject. But have a station set up for computer work with a list of approved activities and then ensure you need to do this parent, not your kid, their kid, ensure you have a privacy and security system in place. Okay. That's up. That's up to you. That's on you. Um, we like covenant eyes, but privacy and security are two different things. So you want to make sure you have both in place. And then I would say have the TV and radio off. Probably you want to make sure that you have plenty of exercise going on because listen, rowdy kids are super distracting. So if they're physically fit and, um, you know, if, and even if they're tired from physical fitness, they argue less, they're more physically ready to sit and do seat work, make sure you have plenty of good food, water, fresh air and vitamins going on. And then if you have a kid who likes to fidget or has ADD or ADHD, having them sit on a yoga ball or squeeze a ball um, can really help them calm down because kids who are ADD tend to need to move to think. So you really want to help them with that. Um, and, and actually they'll be able to get more done if, if you just have that ready for them. Um, so let's just go over, cause I think we've covered a lot already. Um, so you really want to, um, get rid of the distractions, have a place for everything and everything in its place, set the stage, realize your kiddo probably needs you around more than you think they do. And again, keep distractions to a minimum. Okay. So now what happens when you have things set up well, but you still get behind, you have a baby, a sick kiddo, you move. I want to start with the definition of behind, because you're going to hear this in the homeschool world all the time. If you're homeschooling, you can't get behind, but if you're really behind, you know that you actually can't. So that's just an adage that like needle pointed on your pillow and ignore it. Like all the other things needle pointed on a pillow. It's not really that helpful to you because you know that you actually can get behind. And here's the deal. If you feel like you're behind and you're worried about it, that's going to be stressful to you and it's going to cause anxiety and you're not going to get ahead because you're too worried about being behind. 
And here's the deal. Mama knows if you feel like you're behind, you might actually be behind. Now, look, we all have goals and it takes forward movement to achieve them. And you need to have goals while you homeschool so that you know what you've accomplished at the end of the year. If we aren't moving forward, it can actually indicate or be a real deal problem. So if you believe that you're behind, what I want you to do is assess. You need to assess your life to bless your life. Are you behind in your curriculum or by grade and age skills or on track to reach a major goal? Your first task is to set, to assess. What are you hoping to accomplish within a specific time frame, And are you on target to reach that or not? If not, you are in fact behind, but <laughs> often behind is a self-imposed and random criteria. Are you behind an important or random benchmark? So you, again, you want to assess to blast your own life, but you can't fix what you haven't identified. So first of all, identify the problem. Is it lack of structure in your home? If you're trying to do school on the couch with laundry piled on the back of it, and it keeps falling down in your lap while you're homeschooling, it's time to think about how you structured your time and chores. Is it lack of discipline in mom? I had a friend who literally would stay up till three or four every night scrapbooking, get up in the morning with her kids, puts around, and then literally give her younger kids to her older kids and take a nap from like 11 a.m. in the morning to late afternoon every day. She was literally avoiding her own family because she didn't have the discipline to structure her home or herself. And honestly, she was just very overwhelmed by her kids. So that really comes down to a lack of discipline in mom and maybe possibly some depression. You really want to look at that. Are you avoiding your responsibilities? Are you not sure how to manage the kids or the house? If you weren't trained how to cook, clean, and understand kids, homeschooling can be very overwhelming. So you want to start small. Are your kids not cooperative? Now, here's the deal. Bored, lonely, frustrated kids who aren't sure of expectations don't feel like they can meet them or feel underwhelmed or overwhelmed. Uh, but what my point is there is that they feel a lack of challenge. They're going to be uncooperative. If you add in junk food, electronics, and a lack of green therapy, i.e. being outside, it's really a recipe for disaster. So um, you want to really assess, are your kids not cooperative and why? And then also just assess, are you overwhelmed with the house, homeschooling, and work? Because look, again, like I say all the time, homeschooling is a job. Maintaining a house is a job. If you work, you have a job. Spousing is a job. There's a lot to get done. And what's the minimum amount you can do to maintain in each area? It's really what you need to do at that point. But you need to assess if you're overwhelmed. And if so, what area? Then do you have too many distractions from multiple kids or pets, et cetera? What distractions can you get rid of? Now, I'm not really an animal person, but we have a couple dogs and we've always had a couple dogs and our dog is messy. Our dogs are messy. The house is dirtier with them in the house. They're time consuming. They always want petted and played with. But the deal is they provide great mental health hugs and snuggles. And our kids have loved having dogs. We have really fun dogs. They do tricks. They're so beautiful. We love our dogs. So we're willing to put up with the distraction of a dog or two, but here's the deal. Can you get rid of the morning TV show and instead have a 20 minute family cleanup time with praise music going? You want to really assess your distractions. Okay. So now that you've assessed what is really um, keeping you behind, I want you to also look at a couple other things. What is on track? Okay. So goals for each academic season, and these are really simplistic, but they're the basics, okay? 
So for elementary, your goals for elementary are language and number literacy. Can your student read and write? Can they read and write with ease? Can they read with understanding? Can they write in a way that makes sense? A simple sentence going up to um, paragraphs. And then number literacy. Do they understand one-on-one correspondence? And then the basic functions of math, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. That is the goal for elementary school. And that means they're on track. If, if you're doing that, they're on track. For junior high, what's the goal of junior high? It's the ability to manipulate numbers. So you move from basic functions of math into percents, decimals, and fractions, and then move on into abstract concepts like, like variables, right? And then also language. Can they write poetry, make paragraphs, simple essays? Can they read for understanding and meaning? Do they understand simple lit analysis? And really, again, to it's to introduce them to a broad smorgasbord of interactions and engagements with the world. That's the goal of junior high. Now, the goal of senior high is to provide the basic vocabulary of information across basic subjects like biology, world history, speech and rhetoric, and, of course, math. So students actually in high school develop fluency in some subjects, like they understand how to study and research a topic. They understand life skills. They can cook a meal from beginning to end. They understand interpersonal skills, like how to introduce somebody well, or how to write a correct email. And they also develop some fluency in things like algebra, biology, et cetera. Okay. And that's all as they prepare to launch. So if they get those things down, they're on track. Right now, there's more specifics, but that's just a good, broad, general overview. Is your kiddo behind due to lack of materials or teaching? Or possibly do they have a learning disorder or a processing disorder? If you have a lack of materials, what is keeping you from acquiring the materials? Is it overwhelmed? Do you not are you not sure how to you know, like sort through all the options? That's a real deal. The homeschool world is a billion dollar industry and there are thousands, literally thousands of materials to choose from at this point. So it's easy to get decision fatigue. Yeah, I, I totally get it. If you need help with that, we'd love to help you. We have uh, academic advising at True North Homeschool Academy, and we love to help you sort through materials that are going to be really working for you and your family instead of you working for them. So if you lack materials, what's keeping you from acquiring the materials? Is it a lack of funds possibly? So what I want you to do is download a typical course of study. We have them at True North Homeschool Academy. And then I want you to find freebies online or at the library. You don't have to spend a lot of money to homeschool. Now it's going to either take probably time or money. So you want to think about that. But you can also request that your library purchase materials for you, even full curriculums. I've done some libraries around the country that have purchased actually a year's worth of curriculum from companies um, to have in the library or lending out. You can also use interlibrary loan. It's usually free. And um, it's a great way to tap into libraries around the country. Um, and there's also community resource centers and like, you know, free or inexpensive programs like the YMCA. I would like just find all the cool things to do in your area that don't take a lot of money. Again, time or money. So you're gonna have to put some time into it. So if you are lacking materials, there's a way to get around that. Um, are you just confused about how to teach the materials? It can be really hard to teach what you don't know. Um, you can always learn alongside your kids. That's really a great way to homeschool is to, you know, build up your own academia um, and academic achievement is by learning with them. Now, if it's a skill-based program like Latin or math, higher math or science, and you don't know it, it might be really hard to teach your kids. 
it's easy to teach if you can stay a couple heads, a couple steps ahead of your kids, as long as you don't bump them against a wall, as long as you don't bump up against a wall yourself. But if you can't stay one or two steps ahead of your kids and you're trying to learn it while you're teaching it, that's just going to be a source of serious frustration. Don't really recommend that because you're already behind. So figure out how to outsource. You want to look at uh, area co-ops, class days, academic days. There's blended learning programs popping up all over the country. And of course, online, like at True North Homeschool Academy, we offer amazing online classes taught by world-class educators. So look, you can have a PhD, teach your kids science. Um, for, you know, like not a lot of money. That's a great deal. Homeschooling doesn't mean you have to do it all. It just means you are in charge of it all. You're intentional about it. So if you outsource, um, don't feel guilty. You're still homeschooling and you're doing a great job. What if your kids have learning disorders or processing disorders? Do you have the resources to assess them and get them help? Um, now you can pray for professional help. You probably want to get a, um, Educational evaluation or a psych evaluation. I did a podcast on them on demystifying the IEP, and I talk about those type of evaluations. But you don't have to pay for fifteen hundred dollar evaluation at the beginning. I would personally start with our our SPED advising at True North Homeschool Academy, um, and that's and you know we'll be able to tell you if you need to go spend the big bucks to do an evaluation. But I would do an informal assessment first, um, and we have great great tools to help you do that. Um, but I would, if you suspect a learning disorder or processing disorder, don't, don't think they'll grow out of it, but get the help that you need and they need, because it's going to save a lot of frustration and time and money, to be honest with you. Okay. That was a lot of information. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. Let's say disaster strikes, um, fires, floods, death, illness, chronic illness, high risk pregnancy. The best thing to do is to triage. First, now triage is a medical term. It means the assignment of degrees of urgency to a wound or illness to decide the order of treatment of a large number of patients or casualties. Now, if we're homeschooling, we probably don't have a large number of patients or casualties, although it might feel like it in our home. <laughs> but really, what I want you to do when I say triage, look at your tasks and and times of stress, an emergency or disaster, and get done the necessary things. Here's a here's just a simple trick and tip. If you're in your home, you might not be if it's a natural disaster or whatever. Make your bed and do your dishes and count your house clean. For other than non-normal, for, for other non-normal, decide what really needs to happen. Think about what do you have? Who do you have? Who are you responsible for? Where are you at? What can you mentally, emotionally really do and still maintain your own sanity? And what do your kids need mentally and emotionally? So here's the deal. Like if you're out of your home because of a disaster, like we were at in our fire and we're in a hotel, um, then do you, you know, you have you, like we had um, an early elementary and emergent reader. We had a, a kindergarten, a sixth, a six-year-old, um, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. We had a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old, my husband and I, because our older daughter was at college. So we had six people. We were in a hotel. Um, what could we really do mentally and emotionally? We couldn't do a full thing at school. No, no way. Um, my kids actually went to a co-op for a day or two a week and they did art and other things um, that were fun. And we did basics at home. That's it. We didn't really try to really hammer down on a lot of things in school because we were just, we didn't have the mental cap capability at that point. And honestly, neither, neither did the kids. They lost most of what they owned. 
Um, they were scared from the fire. And then my sister died right away. She's a year older than I was at that point. So there was a lot going on in our family and we didn't need to do a lot of school. We were learning school because of the life skills that we were learning at that point. Um, so just think about what are the basics you need? You need housing, food, sleep, clothing, and comfort. And maybe that's all you do for school that year. You have a safe place to live. You have adequate food. Make sure everybody's sleeping because if you're emotionally stressed and you're not sleeping, that's just going to be worse for everybody. You need adequate clothing. And then honestly, you need to add comfort to your list because if you're derailed and you're not on track and it's because of something that's going on in your life, you need to figure out how to feed everybody emotionally so that they can continue to maintain. Okay. People need to sleep and be fed. How are you going to cover that? Um, when we were at our house fire, again, we were able to stay at a local retreat for a few days. And then we negotiated a long-term stay at a hotel until we found a rental. But we took several days off um, because our house wasn't safe to go into. So we had to shop for clothes. We ended up traveling to my sister's funeral and a friend helped us shop for clothes for the trip. When we got back, we moved into a hotel and then friends started giving us books and curriculum. So we started with a few things because our kids needed that stability. We swam in the pool multiple times a day. We watched a ton of movies. We worked on sorting through our processions, throwing things out and making decisions about the house. We put um, thoughts of a normal school year totally aside. We did a lot of reading. We called it good. Um, and then we started adding things in very slowly. And I would suggest this for two. If you're derailed for whatever reason, big or small, Start slow. Just start with the basic two for all of your kids. The basic two for a homeschool are English and math. They need, again, number literacy and language literacy. So you want to just start with the basic two. Find out what age they are. I mean, you know that, right? What age are they? What level are they at? Do you have the materials? If not, find them. You can order anything online at this point. Um, uh, or just put a word out in your, in your local regional Facebook group and and see if anybody has things that you need and just start with English and math. You don't have to do more than that. When things have gotten back on track a little bit and you feel like you have a routine and a schedule, you've got some rhythm and routine to your day, you can manage a little bit more, add in the core four. The core four are the basic two plus science and history. Now for elementary, you don't have to do a lot of science other than just do a lot of reading, do a lot of discovery, do some nature walks. That'd be good for everybody. Anyway, get outside, do some green therapy. And then history can be documentaries, they can be, um, they can be movies, they can be timelines, you don't have to spend a lot of time and money to get the core four down. Um, you could just memorize um, some great timeline cards. Um, Cross7.org is one of our favorite companies to um, refer you to great, great stuff. Um, and then when you have that down, do the core four plus more. It's the basic two English and math. Um, then science and history, you can add in foreign language, you can add in electives or life skills, etc. What if you're starting from nothing? What if everything's gone? Well, now it's time to improvise, adapt and overcome. And you want to really redefine your goals for the year. What do you have? <laughs> Let's start with that. You have great weather, good books, place to cook and talk. Maybe that's how you need to really focus for your year. It's Okay. You want to take the long term with education. Even if your kids go back into public school after a disaster, there's always ways for them to get caught up. You can hire a private tutor. You can hire somebody who's going to come alongside them to keep them on track or whatever. Okay, right now I want to talk about creating a fallback. Jesse, why are the. Okay, right now I want to talk about creating a fallback. 
So Jesse Weiss, who's the mom of Susan Weissbauer of Well-Trained Mind Boards, uh, or the Well-Trained Mind, used to say, take a nap, eat a snack, or take a shower. So if you have everything falling apart, things are going off the rails, do one of those things. Take a nap, eat a snack, take a shower, just change things up. You want to take a 15-minute breather and do something different. So I want to just talk to you about some different things that you can do. When things go south, big or little, it's good to have a fallback. And I want to talk about four different areas of your life. Again, these are neural pathways. So physical, mental, emotional, or social. Okay. So let's take the physical. Um, A fallback could be just taking a walk. Um, We live by a river and it's about two fields away and we just walk to the river or go to the park. Um, it, It might take a while to load everybody up and get to the park if you have a park nearby. Um, or you can take extra time going to the park, create an obstacle course in your yard. I used to do this. Uh, we did this for years when our kids were little, we had a swing set and I would just make up stuff with tree trunks and swing set. And they would have to go over around under and through my boys loved it. Um, you can get some two by fours and you can set up a really fun obstacle course in your yard, get dad involved, make it a deal. I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure there's plans online for how to create an obstacle course in there in your yard. Um, and it could be a lot of fun and you can just move it around. Um, and, and it could be a blast Work out together. Um, there's so many free workout things online now. Um, just do a workout plan together, play ping pong. We had a ping pong table in our house for years and it's so fun. Um, teach your kids how to play ping pong and just take a 15 minute ping pong break. Um, if you have exercise equipment at home, just jump on it and do a 15 minute brain break, or you could train for a 5k together, go to the gym together. We did that for years where everybody would just pile up. And we'd go to the gym together, learn some deep breathing techniques. Um, I used to say to my one son, I want to see your toes breathing. I want you to take in such deep breaths, even your toes are breathing, um, which he actually says to me every now and then when I get upset. So, you know, the tables have turned, right. Um, but learn some deep breathing techniques because it just calms everybody down. Um, one of the things that we did for years was garden together. Just get outside and go weed, plant seeds, um, see everything's doing, walk around the yard, drink a quart of water. We underestimate how much water is so important to everybody's good health. And it can really help everybody if you just keep hydrated. Like I said before, take a shower, um, and take a hot shower, take a cold shower. If you need, if you've got everybody sluggish in the house, everybody jump in the shower, cold shower real quick. Drink a protein drink, a green tea, or a smoothie. Um, I mean, there are so many amazing smoothie recipes online right now. And we have a protein drink that we drink almost every day and love it. Um, And, you know, we can really tell when people haven't had their protein drink. (laughs) Give somebody a hug. Ask for a hug. Teach your kids to ask for hugs. Or, um, you know, just tell them, hey, I need a hug. Hugs are so good. Or tell them to go hug the dog. Um, have a 15 minute or 10 minute dance party in your house. Just turn on some wild music and dance. Or you can all speed clean an area for 10 minutes. That gets your house cleaned up, gives everybody a break. And, um, you know, homework might feel like a break from cleaning if you do that. Another great idea is to just fast, do 12 hour fast or 24 hour fast. Now you want to be careful if you're pregnant or nursing or have younger kids. But sometimes a fast can re- just reset your body as well. Okay, so those are some ideas physically to just do a 15-minute reset. Let's talk about a mental reset. Watch a TED Talk. Um, So many of them are so short. They're so full of great information. We've learned so much from TED Talks, and um, they don't last a long time. They're 
like I said, they're pretty short and you can just find some great information on TED Talks or watch a short documentary. Um, there are some really good kids ones that aren't too long. Um, one of the things we always like to do is, is to watch online comedians. We have our favorite and we're always going back and checking or we'll share favorite comedians that we found or our favorite jokes. And, and that's a lot of fun. So I'd really encourage you find a comedian or two that you like. And just that's a great way to take a brain break. Listen to music, of course. That's always such a great brain break. Read a book together. Just do a quick read aloud. I mean, if everybody needs a break, everybody's squirreling, everybody's concentrating. Just take a break. Everybody put their book down. Everybody put their seat work down. Pick up a read aloud and just read a few pages. Now, we always had a read aloud going in our house. I mean, at all times. And books that everybody was reading on their own. So that was all something we knew. Um, You know, read aloud. That's going to happen every day. I'd also say create art together. Do you, have a, do you have an art corner or an art spot in your house? Um, in, our, in our buffet, in our dining room that we kept all of our school supplies, um, we had two areas specifically for art, um, art materials and everybody in our house did art. Um, everybody was creative. Everybody did creative things. Sometimes we do it together. You could have a science experiment spot set up and do science experiments. My husband likes to watch NASA and the NOAA channels together. NASA is National Aeronautics Space. Uh, wait, NASA, NASA. I'm not sure what it stands for, but it's the. Um, anyway, go check out NASA. <laughs> and NOAA is the weather station, the government run weather station. You could also learn skills together. Um, it's a great time to really learn some new skills in the world. Um, you know, raise some chickens, um, learn how to bake sourdough bread or yogurt together, plant a garden together, train your pet to do tricks. Our dogs know several tricks. It's so fun. And they love to show off for people. Again, learn a new craft or skill together. Journal. Um, Get some really fun, beautiful pens and journal. Just set some time aside every day where you're going to journal and teach your kids to journal and teach them how to mind map. Tell yourself positive affirmations and say them to each other. Set a new goal. Great ways to reset. Okay, emotional resets. 15-minute emotional resets. Snuggle on the couch together. You can do this while you're reading your book. You get a mental and emotional little brain break there. Um, pray together. If you're not sure how to get started with prayer, um, get a few books on how to pray together. Do a luxury bath. You can do a nice bath in 15 minutes. Or do a mani-pedi. Again, listen to praise music. Drink your favorite drink. Eat your favorite dessert together. Um, have you guys seen those mugs in a cup? It's a great way. They don't take very long. You could make mugs in a cup for everybody, just really in a matter of minutes. Tell family stories. You could really rearrange a room together in 15 minutes or even decorate a room together or plan to decorate a room together. Grab takeout and eat it as a picture. As Grab takeout and eat it as a picnic. Get a pet. Bake bread. Make a gratitude list. Talk it out. Give positive affirmations to each other. I think I already said that. Pray together individually or together. How about social brain breaks? Board games. We love board games. And there's so many good ones. You can get simple ones or you can get more complex ones. Um, Eat a meal at a table together. I think eating together at a table is a lost art. Host a team night together or host a chopped cooking event or cook-off. Host a potluck or a round-robin meal. Meet friends for a meal at a restaurant, go out for coffee, create a weekly tradition like homemade crepes as you watch your favorite preacher on Wednesday night. 
do an act of service for somebody else. There's so many great ideas for brain breaks and you need to make a list for yourself so that when things feel like they're off track for the day, you can just go back to it and go, okay, we're going to do a 15 minute thing. Everybody pick one thing from this list and just do them throughout the day. Now, if things are off track and derailed because of a natural disaster or somebody, something like that, obviously your brain breaks are going to take a different, um, are going to look a little bit differently, but they're so helpful. Journaling, praying, all these things. When things go south, big or little, it's good to have a fallback. Now, my fallback is always to read and to read out loud. But what do you naturally fall back to? What are your, you know, remember, you are your kid's best resource. Again, for me, it's literature and books, reading, reading great literature or stories um, and movies as well. I'm having great discussions about it. That comes naturally to me. So it's a fun break. I love to include my kids in that. What comes naturally for you and what can you include your kids in with a short brain break? Hope this has been helpful to you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Hey, everybody, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. And I just want to remind you that you can find all of our classes and clubs, testing, advising, mom's membership, and more at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. We do offer live online, dynamic, interactive, small group classes. So when your students take classes with us, they're not in a, they're not in a Zoom room full of 100 people. We keep our class sizes small so that the students get to know both the teacher and their fellow students. We um, use a lot of different technology to make the classes dynamic and interactive, including presentations, projects, breakout rooms, virtual whiteboards, and more. Um, We like to say that we use time-tested educational pedagogy coupled with cutting-edge technology to bring the best educational opportunities to your students in, in the privacy of your own home. We do provide syllabus and grading for all classes. Um, Clubs are more relaxed, so we don't provide syllabus or grading for those, but you can certainly use our clubs for the transcripts, and we'd love to help you know how to do that. Stay tuned this year, 2022, for some exciting new um, classes and clubs being offered by True North Homeschool Academy. Um, We're also going to be offering an honor club, dual enrollment, and so much more. We are honored to partner with you as you homeschool your children. Again, check out truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com and thanks for listening to today's podcast.